Hello and welcome to Enfocus, coming to you this week from the Champion Cascade in Terrestria. Uh, I am your host, Hilke. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Rosalie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I just got my boiler fixed. I now have central heating, which is very vital in the middle of winter in Scotland. That's <laughs> uh, so why I'm cozied up. I'm getting ready for the holidays in a festive mood, feeling jolly. How are you? I'm doing good. I, in fact, already had my holidays. Oh. Because I am Dutch. Yeah. And we don't really do presents at Christmas. We have them at Sinterklaas. Uh, which is celebrated on December 5th, although we celebrated the weekend after that because, you know, we're all adults <laughs> and scheduling happens. But yeah, I've got my chocolate letter. It's a big H made of milk chocolate. Ooh. It's... People do some wild things with chocolate in this country. People have them on sandwiches. Just like they chop up their chocolate letter and that's the sandwich. Doesn't sound too weird. We have, we had bread and sugar sandwiches. Although that might be a poor working class thing rather than like a, a thing, a UK thing in general. But no, that chocolate sandwich doesn't. You get chocolate pizzas. Yeah. All, all chocolate. All chocolate is good chocolate. <laughs> I mean, like I, I say like that that it's weird for the chocolate letter. Like it's weird that we use the chocolate letter for it because here in the uh... Netherlands we have a thing called hachelslag. Which is literally just chocolate sprinkles as a bread topping. That's just super normal here. Oh, it's kind of like um, fairy bread they do in Ireland. I think they do that as well. And in Australia. Yeah. Or like we have iced buns here where it's like a roll but you put icing sugar on it. Which mm. is not actually similar. <laughs> it just came into my head and now I really want one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I, I got my uh, my chocolate letter and my and my present. I am also in the festive mood. Uh, we we do have like a family Christmas dinner thing in like a week or so. I'm making something Scottish because it's a potluck <gasps> thing. Yeah. I asked my co-host Rosalie for some <laughs> ideas. Um, I'm making. I'm gonna do my best here. I did look up YouTube videos. Okay. Rumbly thumps. Yeah. It's uh, mashed potatoes and cabbage, like fried cabbage. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think my grandma made that. cheese on top and baked in the oven. Yeah. We like lots of mashed potatoes or tatties. I, uh, I tested it out already. I really messed up the mashed potatoes because I didn't use enough butter and I just straight up forgot to put salt in them. <laughs> so uh, now we know for next time. Oh, when you when you take them out, you should call them tatties to properly be authentic. <laughs> mm. I will keep that in mind. I did. <laughs> uh, I know that there are. I did find some variants that also use uh, neeps. Yep. But I couldn't be bothered to prepare one of those, so I didn't. That's fine. They're like the most annoying thing to prepare anyway, because <laughs> um. Yeah, that's normally what we have with them um, if we have for Burns Night, which is like where we celebrate the poet Robert Burns once a year. We have um, haggis neeps and tatties, so it's just, but they're they're very awkward to cook, so totally relatable there. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah uh other than that it's a it's a good time some nintendo things happened of course as we are here to discuss on the podcast um and yeah we do have a little bit of news to talk about yeah The first of which, oh boy, you 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 knew as soon as this news story came out that we were going to be talking about this. <laughs> uh, Wapich or Warupich, Warupichi, <laughs> as it was described as on the Instagram post, uh, which was the creator of Waluigi. Uh, I'm gonna do my best here. Fumihide Aoki. Uh, posted on his Instagram some like early designs for a Waluigi equivalent of Princess Peach. Yeah. Um, it is unfortunate. I like when I was doing research for this to like you know turn this into a story. Um, they don't seem to be up anymore. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why, and I don't want to speculate as to why. But like the Polygon article I was reading had you know like embedded versions of the instagram posts and they were empty oh there might be a cease and desist afoot <laughs> i i can't say I, I don't and i don't want to speculate just yeah in case we get in trouble uh <laughs> alleged well, we say alleged sometimes like and if you're working on games or um media in general there'll be something in your contract that says like even if you leave all the work that you did belongs to said company, so you're not allowed to share it outside, even if it's been, like, decades. So that allegedly could also be a factor. Yeah. It's rubbish, because it's your hard work. I don't I don't support it, that, but it, I know it's a thing, sadly. And uh, speaking of that Polygon article, I'm just going to quote Polygon's Michael McWhorter, um, because... He just said it very succinctly, and I didn't feel it was necessary to rewrite it. Um, in Instagram comments, Aoki said that Wapich, or Warupichi, was conceived in name only during the development of Mario Tennis for the Nintendo 64. Her design was later sketched out during the development of Mario Power Tennis, which was created by Nintendo and Camelot. But Wapich has never appeared in any Mario sports game, many of which Aoki has worked on. Because we sort of saw two designs. We saw a mm -hmm. sort of general Warupichi, and we saw one with like a tennis racket. Yeah. Um, it looked very sort of goth alternative, <laughs> both of them. Yeah, which is why I love it. <laughs> yeah. I've already drawn some bad fan art of it. I think bad because it's I'm not great at drawing, but um, oh, I think it's really cool. Although some I've seen people bring up that because it's like the tennis outfit that was likely not that it could have likely been an alternative that would be her normal day to day outfit, like a dress. Well, it is kind yeah. of a dress, but like a more formal dress. So I'm like, I wonder what that looked like. Because the, the sort of normal one had, like, very high, like, platform boots. Yeah. And then the tennis one was a, a lot more, for lack of a better word, like, skin tight. Mm -hmm. It was like a skirt with, like, a shirt. 
I had long sleeves, if memory serves. Again, I the posts aren't up anymore, so I can't like perfectly give you a visual uh, representation with my words because I'm going off my memory, which is <laughs> unreliable at the best of times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was just a really fun thing to see. And I did read in the Polygon article as well that like this concept of a Wario to Peach and a Waluigi to Daisy as well has come up in the past. But apparently Shigeru Miyamoto just doesn't want that. Like he doesn't want girlfriends for Mario for Wario and Waluigi, which they don't have to be. Uh, yeah. I necessarily. Was... I, I've seen some people do art, and I kind of liked that she was like maybe their little sister or something. That yeah. kind of like dynamic. I thought that'd be really cute. But he is the boss, so <laughs> why he says goes. Yeah. But uh, for the brief period that we got to see these, I, I quite enjoyed them, and I knew I knew for a fact <laughs> you would. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next... Uh, we have some more game announcements for the Nintendo Switch Entertainment System uh, from everybody's favorite corporate sponsorship stream. I mean, awards show, uh, The Game <laughs> Awards, starring Jeff Keighley and Hideo Kojima. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. We're, we're sort of going to kind of bookend this a little bit. Uh, I did not watch The Game Awards. It was at awful o'clock in the morning here in Europe. A mm -hmm. uh, friend of mine did. Braver man than I. Um, never would have done that, but, you know, he's not me. <laughs> um, so I, you know, for the podcast, was looking up, okay, what got announced for Switch at the Game Awards, because they're like 85% trailers anyway. So I went to Nintendo Life, which is normally a generally good source for this kind of thing and I scrolled through the article that had all the trailers and I noticed uh, one thing that really uh, sort of curdled my yogurt here which was there were multiple trailers I think three maybe four even that were like the article okay let me start over the article headline was all of the Nintendo Switch games announced at the Game Awards but there were three or four trailers in there that were just, no platforms were announced, but we'd like to hope that it's coming to Switch. Oh. And I understand, like, that kind of speculation is fun. And, like, there there isn't, like, there is no, that there is, there is sort of like a, precedent for that kind of thing because one of them was like world of goo 2 which did originally come out which did come out on WiiWare. yeah and the uh the next game by the dead cells developers which i forget the name of uh that all we know so far is it's coming to like steam early access next year but we'd like to think it's coming out on switch because you know dead cells also came out on switch mm -hmm. but if the title of your article is all the Switch games announced at the Game Awards and, like, a third of them were not, in fact, Switch games announced for the Game Awards, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not how writing 
works. Make a separate article for that so the people like me who are doing research after the fact don't get annoyed about things like this. <laughs> and there's a larger discussion of the Game Awards being uh, bad, but I'll leave that to Rosalie after we cover all of the announcements. There weren't that many of them. Mm. <laughs> um, the first one was The Rise of the Golden Idol coming somewhere in 2024. I almost said 2014. <laughs> um, it's a follow-up to The Case of the Golden Idol, which is a mystery game, uh, like a, a mystery adventure game that I have heard nothing good but good things about and I have not played because I cannot stand the art style. I'm sorry. It's not for me. I'm well, sure it's very good. I'm going to have to quickly Google this to see what you mean there. Oh, I see. It's like painterly and blocky and... Oh, yeah. It kind of has a standard great, like a high school art look to it. <laughs> I mean that yeah. in the nicest way I possibly can. No, I get you. It's a bit surreal. Huh. Interesting. Uh then uh, Dave the Diver is getting a crossover DLC with Dredge. Mm. Noted indie game, Dave the Diver. <laughs> Again, after this bit. Um, but yeah, uh, that seems like a fairly natural crossover. I haven't played either of them. Dredge does look kind of interesting, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, that one's already out. I mean, it, it like... I think it came out like literally right after the Game Awards or like a couple days later, but we're like a week and a half removed from the Game Awards at this point. <laughs> uh, then we saw a new trailer for Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, which we've seen one before. We saw one at the most recent Nintendo Direct. And we also learned that it's coming out on January 18th, 2024. That's very soon. And it's getting a demo a week earlier on the 11th. Ooh. I, I love me some demos. I played two of them for this episode. Uh, this game looks really exciting. I love me some Prince of Persia, even though I haven't played very many of them. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Next, uh, Rocket Racing. It's Fortnite racing made by the developers of rocket league it's free to play it's already out it was already out by the time the game awards started like it just yeah. got a trailer yeah because there's a whole new like there's loads of new modes in fortnite right now there's that there's the lego fortnite there's yeah. the music rhythm game which is called like fortnite festival or something and the uh, rocket racing as well i've not tried the rocket racing yet but i am going to because i do like like i don't like cds racing games but i do like like kart racers and things so yeah. i'll give it a, a whirl it's free to play as everything is in fortnite yep except is is save the world do you still have to pay for that the like original fortnite before they added the battle royale mode it comes with, if you ever get, like, the Fortnite crew, there used to be a thing where it would come, it, you get it with that. Um, it might be free to play now. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, because I got, 
I got a um a code when when that originally came out. So I've had it since. <laughs> um but I do recommend playing it. Uh if if people have only played the Battle Royale mode because it is very fun. It it is sort of wild to consider that like the Battle Royale mode was just a yeah, you know what? We'll throw that in there. It seems like fun. PUBG's doing very well. We might uh do a little do some numbers with that and then it became the biggest video game in existence yeah it's especially weird because so i actually really like fortnite and i really liked what it used to be um but i know if i play the normal battle royale i play zero build which basically takes out all the the building because the building in fortnite only made sense in context of save the world because Fortnite used to be a tower defense game. Yeah. When you have it in the Bat Royale, it, it just is not fun. <laughs> um so I only play Zero Build or I play the Lego and other things now. Um but yeah it is really weird. Um but it, I I still recommend giving Zero Build Bat Royale a shot because it's really fun. Especially if like now you can be like Peter Griffin and Goku from Dragon Ball and a team and it's just it's just very silly fun. <laughs> and the weirdest one that, that, that I saw, the weirdest skin that I've seen is, are you at all familiar with the Mistborn books by Brandon Sanderson? No. They're, it's like a fantasy series. I've read the first one. It's it's very good. Oh. But, yeah, the like one of the characters from that is in Fortnite. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. Is. Because... <laughs> It hasn't been like turned into an animated show or like a TV show or anything. It's just oh. the guy from Mistborn is in Fortnite now. To be fair, like if I had a famous book and the Fortnite were like, well, Epic Games were like, do you want your character in it? I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that the, would be some some fat royalty checks, I imagine. Yeah. Also, the models that they make are genuinely so lovely like some of the best versions of like my favorite model of lara croft out of anything she's been in is her fortnite model <laughs> um so you know your character will look badass um but anyway i digress <laughs> i could talk about fortnite for ages uh next uh and the that is the final announcement that we're going to be talking about is also the one that i was the most interested in Tales of Kenzara Zap colon Zao. It's a uh, Metroidvania. It's got an Af- Afro-futurist setting. Uh, I like that in the trailer there were one of the abilities that, like, there's a lot of environmental manipulation of the actual, like, levels themselves that I quite like the look of. Mm-hmm. And that's coming April 22nd, 2024, which is very close to my birthday. So. Ooh. That looks. That one. That one was the one of all the trailers I watched. Was like, okay, <laughs> I, I'm down for this. This looks really, really good. But you know, the Game Awards is uh, mostly trailers. Yep. And when I discussed um, with Rosalie if we wanted to cover the stuff from the Game Awards, she uh, informed me that she would really like to talk about how bad the Game Awards are. <laughs> Did and I word it that way? maybe not in those exact words but yeah that was the gist it was yeah um 
so take it away. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it was more. I don't. It was more that I didn't want to. I wanted to preface if we're going to mention it that we should mention that also, like, it's. So we also, when it comes to like awards, we also have like the BAFTA awards for games. I know some people with them. I think everyone, I know so many people with BAFTAs now, which really, I'm jealous. Anyway, um, it's just sad that we've gotten to a point where everyone, most people agree, games are art. They deserve just as much respect as films do, as television does. But we don't have an awards, like, we don't have an awards show. I don't like using the word show in this case, but we don't have like a ceremony that gives it the due respect that the industry deserves and needs. Um, because, yeah, the Game Awards, it's... It, I mean, we, we don't have E3 anymore, officially. So the mm -hmm. Game Awards are kind of the stand-in. And it, it's just... There was... If, if it's news, news to everybody, I don't think it will be. If you're clued into the industry at all, you know that a lot of people have been laid off and during this time, it's continuing to happen as we speak. I wouldn't be surprised if we got an announcement tomorrow of more people being laid off just before yeah. the holidays. Um, and none of that was mentioned in the Game Awards. And for something that's meant to be a celebration of all these fantastic experiences we get to play, we should be talking about something that's affecting the people that made these games. Because a lot of the games that won awards, the people in them who got laid off weren't there. <laughs> they're they're not unemployed. They're not worrying about where their next, you know, if they can pay their bills or if they can afford to get a food shop or if that's their career gone because there's so many people that have lost their jobs and there's so little roles now that they can get. So there's just an influx of people looking for work. So it's even harder. There's so much more competition and it's just, it's, it's, um, it's as, as, as many wonderful, amazing games have come out this year. It is not the best year for games because of how the people who make them are being treated. And I think, uh, the biggest game awards showcase whatever we have that should be mentioned and it should be mentioned a lot uh, and it wasn't um i believe members of the future class actually wrote into the game awards for it to be brought up and it yep. was explicitly ignored which i think is absolutely horrendous and disgusting might seem like over the top to use that word but I think disgusting is the, the least uh, word I could use in this case. Um, yeah. It's just, and also the when people actually did win awards and went up to speak, they were given 50 seconds to talk uh, and there was a big sign which has now been turned into a meme that says like, wrap it up. You know, like the Oscars if they talk for a while, the orchestra starts playing. But like, nobody want like, maybe some people do want the ads, but I want to hear the developers and the voice actors and the the compose I want to hear what they have to say like yeah. that's they they are the ones making these wonderful experiences let them talk like let them even in a time of layoffs let them share all the work they did and an insight into that and and let them have their moment and the fact that even Larian Studios who uh, made Baldur's Gate 3 who which although is not a switch game for us to talk about is like 
one of the best games I've ever played and it's just a triumph in every shape of the word. They were trying to talk about an employee who had just passed away and they were hurried off. And I just think that is just utterly horrific and horrendous and I don't think I can in good conscience like watch this the game awards I thought I didn't watch it this year anyway but I normally do but that just it just really rubbed me the wrong way um and it was just upsetting we should be talking about layoffs we should be celebrating all these wonderful people that make all these wonderful things that we love because without them we wouldn't have the games to talk about and it's just infuriating and upsetting um and I just hope one day we can have an awards ceremony that gives due respect to the people that make the games that we love. Um, I don't know if we will get that. (laughs) I just hope. Um, And I just wanted to get that out there. And if anyone's listening who was affected by the layoffs or who was part of the Game Awards and was upset about it too just know that we appreciate everything that you do and you're amazing and don't let the guys at the top bring you down because they shouldn't, they don't deserve to bring you down <laughs> but yeah I just wanted to get that out of there it was, in, it was in my like burning deep inside my soul I was like I have to say something um, but yeah it's just, it's just a bit sad um but yeah, that's the industry is a bit weird right now. Um, but I think as long as we acknowledge these things and acknowledge we're 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 the people that make the games and where the industry needs support, you can still celebrate the cool stuff that comes out of it too. It's a balance. It's a fine balance. If I may add on to this a little bit, like mm-hmm. the. The layoffs have, have happened a lot in the video games industry. And even like a couple of days ago, we saw that uh, Hasbro yeah. was laying off like 1,100 people, most of them from Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like not all in one go. It's going to be happening over the course of the next six months. But they announced this like two weeks before Christmas, you know. And I saw a quote from one of the people from Larian from Baldur's Gate 3 who was like, Based on everything I'm reading and the people they've let go, pretty much everyone I was in communication with for Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't work there anymore. Ugh, it's awful. Like, how can an industry that, like, the the cooperation between Wizards of the Coast and Baldur's Gate 3 and Larian Studios that made such a phenomenal game with Baldur's Gate 3, how is that not being celebrated and rewarded, but how are you just firing most of the people that made that happen you know how do you do that because investors want perpetual growth and that's not possible yep it's just rubbish cool uh (laughs) bummer but yeah it it had to be said yeah it had to be said I think if anything, if there's a game on the Switch or any other like PC or any other console you've loved this year, do not be afraid to like post on social media how much the experience of that meant to you and how much you appreciate the work that people did made it because people want to hear that and they like to hear it. And I think with everything that's happening, you know, 
that that will mean a lot. So don't be afraid to ever do that. That, if I can that is, up. I think, a very good thing. Yes. Yeah. Like, people love hearing that the things they made meant something to people. Yeah. And a lot of the time you sort of, you know, as someone who's on a much, much, much smaller scale, um, put stuff out there in the world in the past to be like, hey, I really like that. I really like this game. Or I, th there was one specific example where I wrote about a pro wrestler, an independent professional wrestler. And I just wrote like, his character arc has been really good. He's really good at portraying this character. And he found it. Aww. And it made his entire week. Aww. I love and that. That's, that's, it's clear that that kind of thing is just something that people really want. So absolutely. Yeah. We encourage you. Tell the people that make the things you like just how much it means to them. Yeah. So, um, we've been playing some video games <laughs> uh, made by people who we like. Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier that I played some demos. Uh, the first one of which was the Dragon Quest Monsters The Dark Prince demo. I don't. I downloaded it. I think either the day of or the day after the full game released, because mm -hmm. I saw like Famitsu review scores for this game, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's coming out soon. <laughs> so I decided to play the demo. Um, obviously, I haven't read the Famitsu review because I don't speak Japanese, but like. I, Obviously, the demo is not, you know, a complete representation of the full game, but I, it's like, it's fine, hmm. but it's not like all four of the Famitsu reviewers give it a 9 out of 10 good, in my opinion. It's got, like, it's got some minor performance issues, which... I am currently playing the Indigo Disc DLC from Pokemon Scarlet, so compared to that, it's buttery smooth. But, like, <laughs> there's some very obvious and ugly pop-in. There's uh. some frame rate jitters. They're still using the MIDI music that they've been using for years. Which is weird, because yeah, the composer died. Um, and it was because of him that they were sticking with Meaty. And he was, I don't mind saying that he was an awful human being. So I was yes. kind of hoping going forward they were going to have a different composer and start using orchestral scores like they do for the special edition. So that is bizarre. And maybe there's a, something that is weird. Hmm. And like aside from that, if you've played a Dragon Quest Monsters game... This is pretty business as usual. Oh. Um, the the sort of twist as to why the main character is a monster tamer is he's the son or grandson of like the demon king, mm -hmm. and he has been cursed to not be able to deal physical harm to other monsters directly. Oh, okay. So, someone in the town he's hiding in tells him, "Hey." You can be a monster tamer, and then the monsters will do the fighting for you. 
and then yeah it's pretty business as usual for months for uh i almost said monster hunter for dragon quest <laughs> monsters um you know you you go through like open areas uh you recruit monsters um there's a monster synthesis mechanic again where you can take two monsters and combine them into one different monster that is the thing that is the coolest thing about monster uh, dragon quest monsters but also the thing that stresses me out the most just because the like flowcharts and spreadsheets if you want to make like the optimal version because there's multiple different monsters that have multiple different ingredients like if you want to make like a what's a good example here a a hammer hood mm-hmm. if you're familiar with them yeah there's like even in the demo there were like three different combinations you could use to make them and the monsters you use carry over some of their skills into the new version and their skill points or talent points as they're called and so you you have to be like very conscious of which monsters you're using for that and how you're using them the the one downside i've always found with this mechanic is you can never really get um attached to any of your monsters uh because then at a certain point they're like okay well you know this monster's good and i've had it for a while but it's also an ingredient for a really powerful higher ranked monster and if i want to continue in the game it is the mechanically correct choice to do this so goodbye yeah it's kind of like persona in that case then yeah yeah and that's that's the like part that that always kind of stressed me out about dragon quest monsters games um it is still fun it's still a monster collecting game it's among the better ones i've played uh like i've I've also played like you know monster sanctuary i've played temtem for a bit (laughs) and like pokemon is obviously sort of the the peak of monster collecting games yeah uh, I've also been playing a lot of Monster Hunter Stories 2 recently again. This Ooh. demo, in fact, got me to pick up my Monster Hunter Stories 2 save file for the first time in two years. And that's really fun. But this is probably still like among the best. Uh, Dragon Quest Monsters is probably still among the best I've played. Ooh. But it's like a very standard kind of good, you know? Yeah. There's, I love Dragon Quest, but there's this like they do there is a few misses in there but even their misses are like still like you know better than your average <laughs> i think i i do want to get this i think i'm probably this is one i'd pick up when it was on sale um because dragon quest treasures is now quite cheap and that was also one that i really wanted to pick up um but i think i'm holding out for dragon quest 12 which is a while off now though <laughs> I uh, I did play Treasures. Um, oh, I did talk about it on uh, Game Podular Unfocused a while back. Oh, it's it's got some bad technical issues. <sighs> it's also like it's it's fun, but it feels really bad to play. There's something about the movement that's very stiff. Oh, is it like 
£25 okay? Or is it just like, don't bother? Uh, I think... <laughs> I think that's about what I paid for it. I got it in like a sale yeah. when it was on the e on sale on the eShop. And you're going to get a lot of mileage out of it, and there are a lot of parts of it that are good. But just the, the technical side and the movement can be very frustrating at times. But it is a very fun game. Hmm. Maybe I'll just wait till... Well, I kind of was tempted to replay one of the Dragon Quest Builders games because I love them. Um, hmm. Do you know what? I'm probably going to pick up both at some point because I know what I'm like. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I like, if it's not obvious, I like Dragon Quest because it's like Akira Toriyama and he is like, an, he is an idol in my house. So, <laughs> um, and also I like, yeah, no, I'm intrigued. I might download the demo to Dark Prince and see what. See it it is a very like substantial demo. Ooh. Like it is, there is, you know, because it's an RPG, there's some amount of grinding and there's some mm -hmm. amount of, okay, I've used this monster for this synthesis, but I kind of want to use another one of those for another one. And so there are, there is a lot of just, I don't want to say filler necessarily, because that makes it sound worse than, it, than I mean it to. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of not plot progression that happens in the hours you're playing. Okay. But I think I played this demo for like 10 hours. Whoa. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty cool for for a demo, I have to say. Yeah, because hmm. it's not a it's not a like time limited one. It's just you get to a certain point and then it ends, uh -huh. and you get to explore like three different areas and do some of the like first rounds of the tournaments you do. Like there's there's a lot going on in this demo, so it will give you a pretty decent sample, I think. Well, that's cool. In an era uh, where um, games are so expensive now, that kind of demo is just like ideal. Because if yeah. you're if you're gonna throw down a like sixty pounds for a, a game, you want to actually know that you're gonna enjoy it. <laughs> and I believe you mm -hmm. have been playing a uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley: The Rift in Time DLC. Yeah. Um. I didn't actually plan to get this DLC, but um, Dreamlight Valley is a, a a comfort game. I mean, it is a farming sim that is essentially Animal Crossing, but Disney. So that's kind of, it's designed to be like a, you know, the cozy game type thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm uh, a Disney nerd. I don't want to say Disney adult because that comes with connotations that I'm not a fan of. <laughs> if I probably am actually that, but I'm not gonna admit it. So, but you're not yeah. the kind that wears those weird like <laughs> couples shirts if you go to Disneyland. That like no best oh. like the the it it's an incredibly heterosexual thing. Is like the the female one says best day of my life. The male one says most expensive day of my life. Mm, that's so oh, that's so cringe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. N no, but no. I've never I've never been to any Disney because you know working class kid couldn't afford anything. But I I've am never been either. Yeah, I am planning to go. So I'll pre-emphasize this. This is like I'll put a little story here. When I was little, the idea of like wealth to me was being able to go to Disneyland. 
but yeah. I come from a single mother like fam like it was just me and my mum and sometimes like she was didn't have work because it was tough it was the 90s so we didn't have a lot um and if you're wondering how come I always talk about having a lot of games consoles because I then found out that my mum would get credit cards to buy me games consoles to kind of entertain me so even though she couldn't afford to so I have my mum to thank for the talking today pretty much um but um she used to have like partners that would be like oh I'll take you to Disneyland one day and they never did uh, and then it became like a running joke but um so me and my mum now that we're in better positions in life have decided that you know what let's just go to Disneyland Paris together as like a F you to the world look we're here we did it despite everything that's gotten thrown at us um, so I am planning to go and I'm not going to lie in that I might do the Disney burning thing where you 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 wear normal clothes but they're like themed to a character because I kind of do that with my clothes but you know I kind of theme outfits around things anyway um, so I might do that and I might have Mickey ears of some shape <laughs> but that's as far as I'm going um, yeah, I mean, wearing the Mickey ears, that's just, that just comes with the territory. You're yeah, okay. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I do, I will emphasize this is that I'm a Disney fan who also acknowledges all the stuff they do that's bad. I'm not, I'm not totally disconnected from that, which is why I'm always hesitant to just say I'm a Disney fan. It's, it's like being a fan of Nintendo or anything. You take the good and the bad and you, you know, you, you evaluate where you are because you don't just willingly love a big corporation because that's silly but i like disney i have i'm literally in my room right now is a big display of disney figures i have olaf sitting in my living room right now because it's olaf is fest it's, it's a thing it's a thing um so i really like dreamlight valley because when animal crossing uh, new horizons came out i loved it as a lot of us did during the panny d um but i got bored of it quite quickly um, but where Dreamlight Valley is really cool, it actually has like a plot line and story mm. quests. And I think that is really, really cool. And the writing is so good. It's really funny and silly. So the DLC, you're in this different area called the Eternal Isle. And you can still go to the your valley Um You, you can fast travel there if you want. But So you, there's new materials and new flowers and new things to cook and what have you um but there's a plot line of jafar up to evilness because it's jafar he's a villain that is what he does uh but at first you do some quests for him and then i got to a point where he was like he appeared and one of my like things that i could reply with was like oh my god hi jafar you're my bestie or something <laughs> and then if you pick that he's just like uh okay <laughs> And Never it's meant that one before. Yeah, it's meant to be cringe. It's meant to be like there's loads of instances. I think I've mentioned this before, but Mickey Mouse sometimes says, "I'm um, like, do you believe in magic, Rose?" Like I'm called Rose in it. So he's like, "Do you believe in magic, Rose?" And you can reply with, "I'm friends with a literal wizard, Mickey," <laughs> because Merlin is like a character that you can befriend, and it's just. The writers that make this are, are like definitely millennial Disney fans because it just oozes out of it. And I think that's why I like it so much. It is like, it does have that kind of game loop where it's like a 
character will be like, oh, to do this, we need some iron ore and we need some flowers. And it's like, oh, so I'll go get that. But it's so... The way that the presentation is so, like, joyous and and wonderful that it kind of makes up for it. There's, like, a balance. Like, I don't mind mining because also it's kind of therapeutic. It just feels... Mm. There's just... I don't know. I just... I can just spend hours in amongst this little world. And as much as I do love Animal Crossing, all the cute creatures, the fact that I'll just be fishing and then Elsa from Frozen will just come up and be like, oh, I guess I really am in the unknown. And I'm just like, this is so (laughs) silly, but so cool at the same time. I just love it. Um, I've literally, like, I hadn't played it for a while and then I picked it up, got this DLC and I'm near 100 hours already, and I was like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> wow. Um, but the new quests are cool. So the new isle, the new area, the Eternal Isle, you can get Gaston, you can get Eve from Wally, uh, mm-hmm. and you can get Rapunzel from Tangled. Uh, and the models for each of them is, are really cute. Everything they say is very much what they would say in their respective films. A lot of care has been put into it. Um, and it's just... I'm just having such a great time. Um, weirdly, the so this is developed by Gameloft, who have also got the Disney Kart Racer Speedstorm. Um, oh, yeah. that's, that's also out. Um, that is free to play. I actually highly recommend picking that up if anyone likes kart racers because it actually feels so nice to play. Um, it is riddled with microtransactions, but you don't need to actually pay for anything to enjoy it. Um this was originally going to be free to play and around this time they were going to finally like take out of early access and make it free to play and then they've decided not to but but i haven't noticed any kind of repercussion for that so i paid like 25 pounds when it was the early access to have like you know you get a founder's version you get some furniture for your house which is like exclusive to paying early for it but yeah. for all the kind of gameplay that i've got out with it I'm actually okay with that. There is microtransactions. You can now get, like, they always have, like, an event where you have to earn a currency. You get special outfits, but it's always a cosmetic thing. It never feels egregious. Um, The DLC was also about £25, um, and I've not done... I think there's all these other characters I haven't yet accessed for it, and there's a lot coming for it. So it's just... if. If you like Animal Crossing and but want something a bit more, I don't know, you don't get terraforming. Well, kind of. You don't get terraforming, but you do. You can totally change your valley. You can do your house. You can design your own clothes. Um, it's just pretty wonderful. But you do have to be a Disney fan to like it. Like the character customization in this game, right? It was one. It had like it has hijabs and stuff. And like oh, nice. when this game first came out, a lot of other like stuff other games just didn't have that you can also have i mean it's not as they're not body shapes aren't as varied as i'd want them to be but my character still looks plus sized and to me that was like a huge deal it's just a lot of care is continually put into this it just makes it such a great thing to go back to and i'm always quite impressed by what the developers of game loft have achieved and it's just perfect to I've been I've been rewatching Grey's Anatomy, which is like a comfort TV show, and I've been playing this on my Switch OLED, and this is like the first game I've played with the OLED being like portable, 
because I played Wonder on like the, on the TV docked. And like it's so vibrant and beautiful and the screen really does it justice and I'm just having such a lovely cozy time. <laughs> I I do like, you know, I, I I didn't know very much about this game. I do mm-hmm. like the sound of the fact that it does have, you know, a, a story yeah. mode with like characters you can build relationships with and stuff. Because mm-hmm. like I'd only ever heard it be described as Disney Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. but it's probably closer to like Disney Stardew Valley, maybe? Yeah, you can't romance people though <laughs> which would be which would be hilarious because i would you could like marry goofy or something <laughs> um, uh no it's yeah it is yeah yeah maybe i would say it was more like that the storyline's really cool too because it plays into the nostalgia where like the char- the characters have all like you and the characters have like lost some of your memories and there's like a mm. curse called the forgotten um, and they're like, oh, we remember you, but you were little then. And it's kind of like playing into the fact that they know that, that the target audience for this game is people in their 30s and above. Um, and I kind of love that because it's nice to have that acknowledgement of the developers and Disney realizing that a huge part of the people who like their films and buy the merch and play the games aren't necessarily children. Um, yeah. I mean, even on the Disney shop website, like you, this would be unheard of in the 90s, but if you go on the Disney store now, which I occasionally do, there's a whole adult um, area where you get adult pajamas and adult varsity Spider-Man shirts and really cool stuff. And I'm like, yay, that I'm all for that. Um, so yeah, this is, yeah, I'm just, I just love it. <laughs> in fact like after this recording I'm just going to put my Christmas tree on make a cup of tea and play more of it so <laughs> it definitely sounds delightful yeah and uh I played another demo one that Ooh. if you listen to our last episode you may be familiar with in fact uh death trick double blind Ooh. It was, uh, or at least the first I had heard of it, was at the Indie World Showcase mm-hmm. that we covered. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is a like mystery adventure game set in a circus. It switches perspectives between a magician who, like... Okay, so the premise is a circus is in town for a while, and they're promising a show with like a really famous and renowned magician. She disappears. And then the player character magician has gotten a letter from her to be like, hey, you need to take my place and also find out what happens. What happened to me. And also the circus has hired a detective to find out what happened. I mean, the circus does know what happened, um, but they need to know why it happened basically mm-hmm. i'm trying to be a little coy here because <laughs> you know games like this the story is very important yeah um and the detective is amnesiac like he he'd gotten hit like he the first you see him he wakes up wearing his like undershirt and underwear that's it and the first character he interacts with has found his wallet somewhere else. And he doesn't remember, like, the last week or so. 
-hmm. So you have to, like, piece together the investigation from scratch, basically. Um, There is a neat system uh, similarly to Ace Attorney where you have, like, a it's called the collection. You have pieces of information. You have character profiles. And you can make contradictions, but not Mm -hmm. in, like, a courtroom way. But you have literally two things that, like, okay... There's one thing here and there's another thing here that doesn't make sense. And then you present them to a person you're speaking to and they'll have more information on that. Um, So that this is shown like in the first bit with the detective, one of the pieces of information is I've probably been mugged. And that's why my clothes and wallet are missing. And then later you learn that the person you're talking to just like found your wallet and it's still got all its money in it and then you connect those two it's a contradiction aha then i wasn't actually mugged because then it was supposed to it wasn't for the money uh i really like the art style the sort of like paper craft art style the character designs are all very solid i like them i There were two main frustrations I had with this game. One, um, the interface was a little bit annoying. Um, Like when you go through the collection to find different things you want to like compare to each other, you can't use the D-pad. You have to use the analog stick, which I'm used to using the D-pad. And when you like present something to someone or make a contradiction, you do actually have to like Press the A button first to make sure it's selected. You can't just hover over it with your cursor thingy, which I had to figure out manually, essentially. In, like, the first conversation with the magician character and the boss of the circus, I was like, okay, I've asked him about this. Time to ask him about the next thing. And then he goes, I've told you that already. To ask me about something else. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? <laughs> and... The, the biggest downside there is to this game is there, there's something weird with the, the actual written text. It feels like a localization that wasn't, like, polished. Because characters, a lot of the characters speak in a very wooden way. They're, a lot of them don't use contractions where it would feel very natural to use them. Mm-hmm. I also found some typos. There was one instance where they used the word buy when it should have been my, you know, those (laughs) keys are pretty close to each other on the keyboard, an understandable mistake to make, but not really if you're planning to ask people to pay money for this. Yeah. It's that, that is, I think the main thing that really sort of took me out of it is in a game where you're going to be reading a lot of text, the text isn't very good. Which is unfortunate, because I do think this game had a lot of potential. It looked very interesting based on the trailer. And the demo otherwise is like, if, if you can get past those, it, it is a pretty intriguing mystery. But especially the text not being very good, like it does sort of call into question, like what if there's a typo in the full game that I didn't see in the demo that like, causes a misunderstanding about the actual mystery you know yeah like 
if there's going to be typos and what else might there be that wasn't checked over properly. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. I, I hope that it gets, like, you know, one more push of polish before the full game comes out. Because sometimes there's a difference between, like, the demo and the full game. Mm-hmm. That, that is possible. But that did... Mm, it, it did not make the best first impression, which is one of the downsides to demos. Yeah. There's a really good episode of Extra Credits from, like, eight years ago about the like sort of four cases for a demo uh, in which only one is actually desirable which is one of the reasons you don't see a lot of demos anymore <laughs> like there's the best case the demo is good and the and it gets people to buy the game because yeah. the game is also good then there's the demo is good but the game is bad which makes people feel bad for paying for the game. Fun fact, that's happened to me. I bought The Amazing Spider-Man on 3DS. The level in the demo was really fun, and it was also the only good level in the game. Uh, Then there's the demo is bad, but the game is good, which people think, think the game is bad based on the bad demo, but the game is actually good. That feels bad. And the game is bad, and the demo is also bad. Mm. Which does happen. And I really hope this is a case of, like, the demo isn't that good, but the game, you know, fixes those. Because I, I really do want to like this game. It's just kind of made it hard for me to do that a little bit. Yeah. Um... So, uh, before we go to the uh, what we're going to be playing section, I did want to take a brief moment to talk about something a little bit, which is just Game Podular in general. Like, I've been part of Game Podular now since, like, most for most of this year. And I just want to say thank you to everyone listening to... You, Rosalie, to Scott from Unfocused, to Andrew, who made me aware, uh, previous Unfocused host Andrew, who made me aware that this existed in the first place, to uh, Andy, who, you know, keeps everything running behind the scenes. It's it's just been a real delight. I love doing this. It's so much fun getting to share this kind of thing with new people. It's... It's been a very fun project to work on, and I learned a lot of audio editing skills already uh, because I do the edits for Enfocus. <laughs> and it, I just want to say thank you to everyone for making this a really fun part of this year and hopefully continuing to be fun in the future. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I think I can talk for everyone to say that it is a pleasure having you host it and um it's just it's so cool to have our our chats every every fortnight or so (laughs) so i always always look always look forward to it and in fact i was talking every time i finish my partner's always like oh what were you talking about this time and how silicone was going on and i'm like oh (laughs) 
glad to hear it. That the, I, I, it's really nice to hear that, that you really look forward to this because I do too. It's yeah. It's it's a blast. It's a delight, and it has made me more like news aware as well. You know, we cover the news on this show, and it's gotten me reading more news and also being a little more critical about news. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have reasonable media literacy. I studied it a little bit in university. Um, but, you know, I do want to make sure what we're talking about on this podcast is accurate. And that's yeah. why things like the Nintendo Life thing from earlier bother me. <laughs> because and you always quote and respect other writers, which in a post um h bomber guy video world that is very important <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah i i have a lot of love for especially like games writing uh which has made me very sad this year uh the like games industry like developer side layoffs have been awful mm. but games media is not doing hot either nope <laughs> they've lost fanbyte uh fanbyte was i think one of the biggest ones for me i loved fanbyte now they're just i mean they mostly do guides now i did check in with them recently and there's nothing wrong with guides they are the backbone of the games media industry mm-hmm. But I I love like editorials and opinion pieces and criticism. That's that's the thing I really love. And losing so many places that brought so much of that that was good. Uh, shout out to Aftermath, um, the folks for previously from Kotaku, mm-hmm. and uh, on the video side second wind a bunch of folks who left the escapist and decided we're going to keep doing what we want and we're going to be fully like community supported their patreon is very successful heck even i'm a supporter it there are like little bright spots but the industry is very unhealthy at the moment Mm -hmm. and and to come back to that and like i want to celebrate that kind of writing whenever it's possible and that's why even like before the james summerton thing with h bomber guy like it's just very important that we give people the credit they deserve for the work that they've done yeah so um thank you everybody i i hope you have enjoyed me being on the podcasts i have very much enjoyed being on them i'm going to continue enjoy being on them <laughs> and uh we're gonna keep having fun Yee. speaking of we're going to keep having fun <laughs> um we're going to be playing some stuff between now and the next session and uh, next recording what is your game of choice going to be rosalie um i am going to be playing super mario rpg the remaster because um i have been informed that santa might be bringing it <laughs> my way um mm-hmm. so uh it will 
Although I will admit that it's going to be a hard toss-up between that and Spider-Man 2, um, which is not on the Switch. Uh, but, uh, yes, Super Mario RPG. I'm excited because I never owned the original one on the SNES. Um, it was always that one that was really expensive. Uh, yeah. I've played I've played it on um, emulation <laughs> um, briefly in the past, but I never completed it. So I'm I'm very excited. I have to say, I, I'm I'm like sort of medium on trying it. Like I, I talked about it with Scott on Unfocused as well, mm. and it is it does look very good, but it is very a very basic RPG. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a phenomenal like gateway RPG to get people into the genre, but as someone who's played a lot of them, I don't know how much I'd get out of it. Yeah. Aside from like the, I guess the historical knowledge of, because I've played a number of the Mario and Luigi games, for example, and that yeah. like active time button press thing. Super Mario RPG was the first one of those to do that. So it is very good that it's become accessible with this remake but I'll, I'll probably pick that up later and speaking of uh, RPGs as well um, I'm going I'm currently playing the indigo disc DLC of Pokemon Scarlet it is much more substantial than the teal mask so I am still neck deep in all of the stuff that that DLC has been has going on, I mentioned last episode that I'd be playing it, and that continues to be true. There's a lot going on in there, <laughs> and we'll talk about it in the future. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of In Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Spotify and other podcast services. Also be sure to check out our sister show, Game Podular Unfocused. Follow us on Twitter and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links to all of our socials, including our Discord, may be found at our link tree. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular patron. The details for both are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by Hilka and you can follow him at Gear12 underscore Turbo on Twitter or more preferably at Gear12 Turbo at Kind.Social on Mastodon. He was joined today by me, Rosalie, who you can find at LLRecordGirl on Twitter. Have a good one and have a wonderful new year.